With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody, Raymond Summerlin here with the latest edition of the Roto World Football Podcast, the most important podcast in the world, as our Josh Norris likes to say. Today, we'll be joined by Matthew Friedman to discuss an interesting series about prospect comparisons he's doing over on the Roto World draft section. But before we get to that, I have to remind all of you to rate and review the podcast wherever you find it, and also to visit our friends over at draft.com, especially with opening day happening this week. Draft.com is daily fantasy, but not like the other guys. There's no salary cap, no pros, no bots. On Draft, you play a live snake draft with other real people, just like in your season-long league. If you're looking for your football fix, they also have you covered there with their best ball leagues. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waivers, just set it and forget it. Drafts start every minute, so you can join one right now. And the best part? You're playing for cold, hard cash. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a draft for anyone. Just search Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com to get started. And for a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a real money draft when you make your first deposit. That's right, play a real money game for free with promo code RW. And it gets even better. Draft is so sure you'll love it that they're offering you a money-back guarantee up to $100. But you have to use my promo code RW, a free real money entry and a $100 money-back guarantee if you use promo code RW. All right, let's get to it. As I said, I am joined today by the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network. You know him as Matt F. The Oracle on Twitter. Got to change that handle. We'll talk about that in a second. Mr. Matthew Friedman, what's up, Matt? Uh, You know, I have to say I'm honored to be on uh, one of the most important, if not the most important, (laughs) I've heard podcast in the galaxy, uh, if not the universe. Uh, So, yeah, it's great to be here. And uh, it's nice that we could have this uh, moment without Josh here, too. The, The overlord watching us and judging us based on what we're saying. So it's good to be here. Yeah, all moments are better without Josh Norris. I think we can all agree on that. And uh, that that Twitter handle, where, where, like, where did that Twitter? Is that like oh, a man. is that a vestige of the past that you can't let go of? Oh, it's yeah. Uh, I've been tempted to to change it so many times. So Matt F the Oracle, did you ever see uh, the league? No, I never. And I I know that that's I know that's blasphemous for someone who plays fantasy football as religiously. I do never watch the league. Okay, so in uh, the pilot episode of The League, there was this 11-year-old kid named Matthew Friedman who <laughs> is a, a fantasy football genius. Like the like the um he's at this party and he's there just licking a hot dog and and one of the guys in The League is like, "Who is that?" And the guy whose party it is is like, 
That's Matt Friedman. He's the Oracle. No <laughs> wife, no kids, pure football knowledge. Uh, so anyway, I, I kind of had to take that as, uh, as the moniker once I, I first got into the industry. And, and, you know, at that point when you're getting into the industry, it, like getting on Twitter and creating a handle, it's just like a joke. You don't think anything's <laughs> ever going to happen. And so now I'm sort of like stuck with, with Matt F. The Oracle. Like, you know, I don't want to pull like a, uh, like a Roto Reeves and, and, and change. And then one day, like, just go back. You know what I mean? Oh, I've. That that those two weeks as Roto Reeves, they will live on, they will live on in infamy. But we're here to talk about the very interesting series you're doing over on the NFL draft section of RotoWorld.com. Make sure you go and read it. Matthew has looked at the profile of all the the top guys that are coming out, all of the top prospects coming out of the skill positions, and kind of come up with comparisons for them. We're going to talk about some of the interesting ones, but there are more in there that we're not going to talk about today. So make sure you go and read those for sure. Let's get started where all draft conversations do, especially this year, and that's at quarterback. And one of the most interesting prospects is Josh Allen, who has drawn comparisons to other big, strong, small school guys like Ben Roethlisberger and Carson Wentz. But you don't see those comps in his profile, right? No, it, it hurts my stomach to uh, to see him compared to those guys. And like on the surface level, I get it because he's big. He seems to have a lot of potential. He's like a a fastball pitcher. And you think, oh, if we can only get this guy to control his pitches, he could be like the best pitcher ever. But, uh, you know, I, I mean, the fact is, in college, he wasn't able to complete a lot of his passes. And you can come up with, you know, reasons for why that might be the case. Like maybe he didn't have the greatest surrounding talent around him, but by that same token, he was playing against competition that was incredibly subpar. And when you look at other quarterbacks who have played against weak competition and who have gone on to have good NFL careers, by and far, they have been guys who have absolutely dominated both from a percentage, like a, a completion percentage perspective, and then also from an adjusted yards perspective. So Ben Roethlisberger, Carson Wentz, both of those guys had really stellar college careers in addition to being big-bodied, kind of prototypical NFL passers. You just don't see that from Josh Allen. He's a guy who has a great fastball, who has great athleticism, uh, a cannon of an arm. But in junior college, junior college, he didn't even complete 50% of his passes. Like, how is a guy like that considered an NFL quarterback? Like, I get that he has a, a lot of potential, but uh, I think of him as sort of like the small school version of Jake Locker. If you're looking at just kind of like the athleticism uh, with the completion percentage and and the other things factored into it. And it kind of sounds like, just from reading your write-up, you view, you view Allen as like the shoot for the stars, the ceiling play, which is, you know... I. Sometimes they hit, most often they don't. But the guy that you have ranked one, it seems that you feel he's more of like the floor, and that's Sam Darnold. Is that kind of how you're you're viewing those two guys? Yeah, I mean, I think I think Darnold even might have a higher ceiling than Josh Allen. Like, I, I get that there's this theoretical upside with Allen, but the odds of him hitting that upside, I think, are relatively low. And Darnold is is only 20 years old. Right. But like he is literally the youngest quarterbacking prospect in NFL history. Um, and he has all of these other attributes that make him already qualified to be a, a top five caliber type of quarterback. So when you look at the the guys like the cohort of quarterbacks who have been 21 year old rookies 
and good enough to be selected in the first round. Almost all of those guys have been selected number one overall. The, the one exception was Josh Freeman, who, by the way, is like in the cohort group of Josh Allen. Yep as like someone who didn't complete a lot of passes in college, but like the big body type of guy who's more of a project player. Darnold is, I mean, he he's like, I think he's a weird combination of both like fairly polished and kind of raw. I don't know if that makes sense, but in, in terms of like uh, of people talking about him as a prospect, there are certain things that he seems to do fairly well, but they also think that he's kind of raw in terms of like he's not, they can see that he's not as good as he could be once he gets into the NFL and continues to develop. So I, I think what we see out of him right now is something that looks like the type of person who develops into a 10-year starter in the league. And just in terms of like his athleticism uh, and then the the career numbers that he has, the comp I came up with was Matthew Stafford, who was one of those uh, 21-year-old rookies, entered the, the league at a young age, didn't do much in his first few seasons. But at this point, like he's entering his 10th year in the league. He's a pretty established guy. Even if he doesn't ever like reach that elite level, He's still someone who is a like I think a bona fide franchise corner uh, quarterback. Yeah, and this is this is a podcast that firmly believes age matters. And so when you're looking at that kind of development, I really think highlighting how young he is is important. Let's finish up the quarterbacks. You know, Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen. They're also interesting cases. But I I found it thought it was interesting what you had to say about Lamar Jackson and specifically why Jackson is more Michael Vick than he is someone like Deshaun Watson. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, man, Lamar Jackson. I can't wait to see what happens in the NFL with him. I think it could be really exciting. The The issue is that he's much more of a runner than Deshaun Watson was and much less of a passer. Um, but uh, whereas that bothers me a little bit more with someone like Josh Allen, it doesn't bother me quite as much with Lamar Jackson for a couple of reasons. One, because uh, he has been productive since his first year in college. He has continued to improve his completion rate. So there is the possibility that that could still improve as he gets into the NFL. He's still young. He's going to be 21 years old for the entirety of his rookie season. uh, So that's a plus. And then he's also uh, much more capable of producing as a runner at the NFL level. Uh, and and so his completion percentage in terms of his like just career numbers very similar to Michael Vick, uh, you know both kind of like Heisman type of of dual threat quarterbacks, uh, both young entering the league. There's always going to be a question of like, well, how good can this guy be as a passer? And Lamar Jackson might never develop into a a like a real a real quality type of passing quarterback, but as long as he has his legs and and we don't know in terms of athleticism, what he has yet because he didn't run at the combine, but I think it's pretty good. Uh, And and as long as he has that ability in the NFL, I think he's more of the Michael Vick type of quarterback than Deshaun Watson. So moving on to running back a guy that when I when I dove into this position, I had no idea I was going to like as much as I do. And that is Rashad Penny out of San Diego state. So Kind of who does he remind you of? Who does his profile remind you of? Oh, man, Uh, Larry Johnson. And that's kind of going a little bit old school. And Johnson, I wouldn't say he was a flash in the pan, but he had really only those two dominant seasons in 2005 and 2006. Um, uh, But at college, uh, you know, he really had only one massive season at Penn State. But what was really interesting is that he is the last, before Penny, the last 
a big bodied running back of that size to to uh, have the type of production that Penny has had as a return man. And that return capability, even if a guy doesn't use it in the NFL, it speaks to a particular skill set that he has that translates well to the NFL. Uh, you know, the ability to have long speed to pull away for touchdowns and, and the agility that you need early in punt returns and kick returns to, to get loose and then find a hole. And so uh, before Rashad Penny, uh, Larry Johnson was the last guy to have a rushing, receiving, punt return, and kick return touchdown uh, in the same season of that size. And so Penny is a guy who I think is very much in that mold of Larry Johnson. He didn't break out early in college, uh, you know, but he had over a thousand yards his last two seasons. And his final season was, I mean, as impressive as any other season that we've really seen, just in terms of like the total spectrum. He wasn't as productive as receiver as I would want, but his ability as a return man, I think speaks to uh, the potential that he could have one day as a receiver. Yeah, and I and as I mentioned, I thought that he was spectacular. He just he was great. I I think that he's going to be someone that goes underdrafted both in the real NFL yeah. draft and in in dynasty rookie drafts, and he'll be someone that I target for sure. Looking at your list, I would wager the most controversial name in your top five running backs is Royce Freeman, not least of which because <laughs> yeah. you compared him to last year's number four overall pick. Leonard Fournette. So what what in his profile makes you think that he's, obviously, if you think that highly of him, that he's being undervalued? It's kind of like pick your poison, because if it wasn't Leonard Fournette, it was Le'Veon Bell, and I, I wasn't going to do that. Like, I wasn't <laughs> oh, going to sacrilege in that way. imagine the mentions. Oh, imagine yeah. the mentions. Yeah. So, and I, I feel like I, I uh, hedged it appropriately by at least saying, you know, like a smaller less athletic, cheaper, you know, like less draft pedigreed version, uh, you know, but the the things that Royce Freeman, he's a hard guy to come up, I think, uh, with a comp for, in part because uh, he played for so long, he was productive for so long in college, broke out right away as a true freshman, um, you know, still rather young, uh, will be 22 for the entirety of his rookie season. Uh, good size, almost 230 pounds, uh, but has very good straight line speed and size adjusted agility. Uh, so there's a lot to like about him. You know, so you have a guy who was a five star recruit, tore it up in high school, tore it up in college, proved to be very athletic at the combine, and then actually had uh, better receiving chops in college than a lot of people give him credit for. So if if you're looking for guys who had great production in college and are actually big and uh, fairly athletic and good receivers uh, and played at, you know at a power five school, played at, at a top level of competition, it's a pretty small list of guys that you can compare him to. And, and so that's why I pulled Leonard Fournette. Um, and I have to say he's probably more Fournette than Le'Veon Bell and that I don't think he has anything close to Le'Veon Bell's capability as a receiver. Um, he doesn't also have Freeman's uh, kind of like run to contact mentality, um, but he still has a lot of things that I think make him kind of a, a good mix of the two. And, and I think he's probably a day two player, you know, maybe like, a, you know, a late third round type of player. I think if he goes in the fourth round, it, it's a lot of value there. Finally, you know, we have to talk about receiver, which I think I don't think I'm going out on a limb when I say it's the most difficult position to rank this draft season, yeah. especially among the skill positions. And it's difficult to kind of 
comp players like DJ Moore. He's he's one of the big reasons why we don't really know what to do, especially with his top three. So what in Moore's profile really makes him unique? I would say that he, in ter- just in terms of like his body type and his production, he is kind of Hakeem Nix-esque, but he's Hakeem Nix with Percy Harvin athleticism. Right, so like that makes sign him, me up. Sign me up for putting that player on my fantasy team. Just yeah, write that down. You know, but that makes him pretty hard to comp because there there aren't any players like that. And and so the the guy I came up with was Jeremy Macklin, just a, a, like in terms of the numbers, except he's a bigger Macklin and uh, a little more athletic, but not quite as versatile as Macklin was in college as a runner and a return man but more dominant as a receiver, which ultimately matters more. Um, So, yeah, I mean, Moore was incredibly impressive his final season uh, and very balanced. He had over 50% of the receiving production in terms of yardage and touchdowns. Uh, And that balance just kind of speaks to just the extent to which all over the field he was incorporated in what Maryland was looking to do offensively. If someone had him ranked number one, I really wouldn't quibble with it. Um, I think he definitely deserves a top three ranking, and I have him, you know, clearly number two on my list. Uh, I mean, I if I get him in rookie picks, like I, in rookie drafts, I won't be disappointed with it. Yeah, and to that point, it really seems like you could put one of more Calvin Ridley or Cortland Sutton, number one, and not be wrong. It seems like that's kind of where we are, but you've gone with Sutton. So what about him specifically has you excited? So I, I think he has more of the uh, the alpha wide receiver body type and, and potential just in terms of like, he, you know, he's 6'3", almost 6'4", 218 pounds, former basketball player, Uh, even like a former defensive back. So he just has a very physical type of of style of play. And then he has three pretty good years of of production. Uh, And so when you compare him to someone like DJ Moore or Calvin Ridley, the fact that Sutton had sustained production for multiple seasons is what really kind of gives me, um, I, I guess is what gives him the nod. And then his athleticism. That, I mean, it, his, his athleticism was much better, I think, than anyone was expecting. So good enough speed for his size and then excellent agility. Uh, and so when you combine those things, the player that he was closest to uh, as, a, as a comp was Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, and I, I think that kind of makes a lot of sense. Like Alshon Jeffrey was a guy who... Uh, in his draft class, people were uncertain about, but years later, I guess at this point, it's maybe like six years later, seven years later, like he is the top guy from that class. Maybe you could say T.Y. Hilton from that class, but but Jeffrey is sort of like the, the number one receiver who has endured from that class. Uh, and to me, that's that's the guy Sutton is most comparable to, comparable to as a prospect. So we have to talk about Ridley, who didn't do himself any favors at the combine. And I know that seems... Might seem crazy. You just look at his 40 time. He ran a 4-4-3. Oh, that's great. You look at the rest of that workout, it, especially his jumps. It wasn't fantastic. But there are other reasons for concern with him, right? Oh, man. Ridley makes my stomach hurt because I, I have a feeling no matter which way I go, I'm going to be wrong on him. <laughs> and I've kind, of, I've kind of vacillated on him. So before the combine, I was very much a Ridley hater when there were lots of people who loved him. And then after the combine, when like a lot of the tide went, went against him, I started to like him a little bit more. Um, the thing is I don't, so his combine was horrible. 
uh, if you look at it in this kind of holistic sense. Um, but the numbers that matter most for wide receivers in their in their physical profile, he was above average in those particular numbers. So 40 time matters, uh, three cone matters, I, I, bench press doesn't matter, but whatever. But like he was above average in those. And so if we're looking at a guy who uh, he's not, he doesn't have great size, but he's not horribly small. So he's probably big enough to be a decent receiver. He has above average athleticism just in terms of, of the mat, of the numbers that we know that matter. And then athleticism in general is kind of overvalued at the wide receiver position. Uh, and then he, he checks, I hate to say checks the box, but he has enough production uh, given that he's going to be a first round pick that I think it's probable he will have a couple of seasons of like wide receiver two production, maybe wide receiver one production. So like, I, you know, I don't like him. I don't think he's, he, he's not the type of uh, metrically appealing player that I tend to want on my teams. Um, but if someone drafted him, I really wouldn't have a problem with it because he's going to be a first round wide receiver and those guys tend to have value. So we do not have any tight ends to talk about, but that's because that article has not hit yet. So, you know, make sure you keep your eyes out for that. But until then, can you give us a sneak peek? Any any interesting tidbits out of the tight end position? Yeah. I mean, Mike Gesicki is yeah, talk about the pins talk about the GOAT Penn Staters. Let's go. Uh, I mean, I don't I don't know what to say. Like, I'm still struggling to find the comp for him because he is like literally incomparable. Like he he's not quite Vernon Davis. You know, he doesn't have the he doesn't have the elite level of athleticism and elite level of production that Vernon Davis had and he's not going to be a top 10 pick. But uh you know, it's just it's hard to come up with a comp for him, but he is vastly intriguing. And then Dallas Goddard is another guy, small school guy, uh but very productive. We'll just have to see what his athleticism looks like at his pro day. But I think it's actually a pretty decent class for tight ends. Uh, but, you know, tight ends only for maybe like the top four. Uh, but it, I think it's still an interesting class. So make sure to check out that article. Also make sure to subscribe to this podcast, which will have a ton of draft coverage over the next month, almost exactly a month until the draft. You also have to follow our draft guru, Josh Norris, on Twitter, at Josh Norris. And make sure you follow Matt on Twitter, Matt F the Oracle. Did I nail it? Nailed it. For now, that's his draft. That's on Twitter. That's his draft handle. And I think that's it. So we'll get we'll talk to you next time. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/activecash. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, 
No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 